section eighteen of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter sixteen give way give way i must and will have justice and tell me not of privilege and place where i am injured there i'll sue redress look to it every one who bars my access i have a heart to feel the injury a hand to knight myself and by my honour that hand shall grasp what greybeard law denies me the chamberlain it was not long ere nigel discovered lord dalgarno advancing towards him in the company of another young man of quality of the prince's train and as they directed their course towards the southeastern corner of the park he concluded they were about to go to lord huntingland's they stopped however and turned up another path leading to the north and lord glenvarlock conceived that this change of direction was owing to their having seen him and their desire to avoid him nigel followed them without hesitation by a path which winding around a thicket of shrubs and trees once more conducted him to the less frequented part of the park he observed which side of the thicket was taken by lord dalgarno and his companion and he himself walking hastily round the other verge was thus enabled to meet them face to face good morrow my lord dalgarno said lord glenvarlock sternly ha my friend nigel answered lord dalgarno in his usual careless and indifferent tone my friend nigel with business on his brow but you must wait till we meet at beaujeu's at noon sir use haldimand and i are at present engaged in the prince's service if you were engaged in the king's my lord said lord glenvarlock you must stand and answer me hey day said lord dalgarno with an air of great astonishment what passion is this why nigel this is king cambyses vain you have frequented the theatres too much lately away with this folly man go dine upon soup and salad drink succory water to cool your blood go to bed at sundown and defy those foul fiends wrath and misconstruction i've had misconstruction enough among you said glenvarlock in the same tone of determined displeasure and from you my lord dalgarno in particular and all under the mask of friendship here is a proper business said dalgarno turning as if to appeal to sir hughes haldimand do you see this angry ruffler sir hughes a month since he dared not have looked one of yonder sheep in the face and now he is a prince of roisterers a plucker of pigeons a controller of players and poets and in gratitude for my having shown him the way to the eminent character which he holds upon town he comes hither to quarrel with his best friend if not his only one of decent station i renounce such hollow friendship my lord said lord glenvarlock i disclaim the character which even to my very face you labour to fix upon me and ere we part i will call you to a reckoning for it my lords both interrupted sir hughes haldeman let me remind you that the royal park is no place to quarrel in i will make my quarrel good said nigel who did not know or in his passion might not have recollected the privileges of the place 
wherever i find my enemy you shall find quarrelling enough replied lord dalgarno calmly so soon as you assign a sufficient cause for it sir hughes haldimand who knows the court will warrant you that i am not backward on such occasions but of what is it that you now complain after having experienced nothing save kindness from me and my family of your family i complain not replied lord glenvarlock they have done for me all they could more far more than i could have expected but you my lord have suffered me while you call me your friend to be traduced where a word of your mouth would have placed my character in its true colours and hence the injurious message which i just now received from the prince of wales to permit the misrepresentation of a friend my lord is to share in the slander you have been misinformed my lord glenvarlock said sir hughes haldeman i have myself often heard lord dalgarno defend your character and regret that your exclusive attachment to the pleasures of a london life prevented your paying your duty regularly to the king and prince while well, he himself said lord glenvarlock dissuaded me from presenting myself at court i will cut this matter short said lord dalgarno with haughty coldness you seem to have conceived my lord that you and i were pylades and orestes a second edition of damon and pythias theseus and pyrithoas at the least you are mistaken and have given the name of friendship to what on my part was mere good nature and compassion for a raw and ignorant countryman joined to the cumbersome charge which my father gave me respecting you your character my lord is of no one's drawing but of your own making i introduced you where as in all such places there was good and indifferent company to be met with your habits or taste made you prefer the worse your holy horror at the sight of dice and cards degenerated into the cautious resolution to play only at those times and with such persons as might ensure your rising a winner no man can long do so and continue to be held a gentleman such is the reputation you have made for yourself and you have no right to be angry but i do not contradict in society what you yourself know to be true let us pass on my lord and if you want further explanation seek some other time and fitter place no time can be better than the present said lord glenvarlock whose resentment was now excited to the uttermost by the cold-blooded and insulting manner in which dalgarno vindicated himself no place fitter than the place where we now stand those of my house have ever avenged insult at the moment and on the spot where it was offered were it at the foot of the throne lord dalgarno you are a villain draw and defend yourself at the same moment he unsheathed his rapier are you mad said lord dalgarno stepping back we are in the precincts of the court the better answered lord glenvarlock i will cleanse them from a calumniator and a coward he then pressed on lord dalgarno and struck him with the flat of the sword the fray had now attracted attention and the cry went round keep the peace keep the peace swords drawn in the park what ho guards keepers yeomen rangers and a number of people came rushing to the spot from all sides lord dalgarno who had half drawn his sword on receiving the blow returned it to his scabbard when he observed the crowd thicken and taking sir hughes haldimand by the arm walked hastily away only saying to lord glenvarlock as they left him you shall dearly abide this insult we will meet again a decent-looking elderly man who observed that lord glenvarlock remained on the spot taking compassion on his youthful appearance said to him are you aware that this is a star-chamber business young gentleman and that it may cost you your right hand shift for yourself before the keepers or constables come up 
get into whitefriars or somewhere for sanctuary and concealment till you can make friends or quit the city the advice was not to be neglected lord glenvarlock made hastily towards the issue from the park by st james's palace then st james's hospital the hubbub increased behind him and several peace officers of the royal household came up to apprehend the delinquent fortunately for nigel a popular edition of the cause of the affray had gone abroad it was said that one of the duke of buckingham's companions had insulted a stranger gentleman from the country and that the stranger had cudgelled him soundly a favourite or the companion of a favourite is always odious to john bull who has besides a partiality to those disputants who proceed his lawyer's termit par why tu fay and both prejudices were in nigel's favour the officers therefore who came to apprehend him could learn from the spectators no particulars of his appearance or information concerning the road he had taken so that for the moment he escaped being arrested what lord glenvarlock heard among the crowd as he passed along was sufficient to satisfy him that in his impatient passion he had placed himself in a predicament of considerable danger he was no stranger to the severe and arbitrary proceedings of the court of star chamber especially in cases of breach of privilege which made it the terror of all men and it was no farther back than the queen's time that the punishment of mutilation had been actually awarded and executed for some offence of the same kind which he had just committed he had also the comfortable reflection that by his violent quarrel with lord dalgarno he must now forfeit the friendship and good offices of that nobleman's father and sister almost the only persons of consideration in whom he could claim any interest while all the evil reports which had been put in circulation concerning his character were certain to weigh heavily against him in a case where much must necessarily depend on the reputation of the accused to a youthful imagination the idea of such a punishment as mutilation seems more ghastly than death itself and every word which he overheard among the groups which he met mingled with or overtook and passed announced this as the penalty of his offence he dreaded to increase his pace for fear of attracting suspicion and more than once saw the ranger's officer so near him that his wrist tingled as if already under the blade of the dismembering knife at length he got out of the park and had a little more leisure to consider what he was next to do whitefriars adjacent to the temple then well known by the cant name of alsatia had at this time and for nearly a century afterwards the privilege of a sanctuary unless against the writ of the lord chief justice or of the lords of the privy council indeed as the place abounded with desperadoes of every description bankrupt citizens ruined gamesters irreclaimable prodigals desperate duelists bravos homicides and debauched profligates of every description all leagued together to maintain the immunities of their asylum it was both difficult and unsafe for the officers of the law to execute warrants emanating even from the highest authority amongst men whose safety was inconsistent with warrants or authority of any kind this lord glenvarlock well knew and odious as the place of refuge was it seemed the only one where for a space at least he might be concealed and secure from the immediate grasp of the law until he should have leisure to provide better for his safety or to get this unpleasant matter in some shape accommodated meanwhile as nigel walked hastily forward towards the place of sanctuary he bitterly blamed himself for suffering lord dalgarno to lead him into the haunts of dissipation and no less accused his intemperate heat of passion which now had driven him for refuge into the purlieus of profane and avowed vice and debauchery dalgarno spoke but too truly in that were his bitter reflections i have made myself an evil reputation by acting on his insidious counsels and neglecting the wholesome admonitions which ought to have claimed 
implicit obedience from me and which recommended abstinence even from the slightest approach of evil but if i escape from the perilous labyrinth in which folly and inexperience as well as violent passions have involved me i will find some noble way of redeeming the lustre of a name which was never sullied until i bore it as lord gunverlock formed these prudent resolutions he entered the temple walks whence a gate at that time opened into white friars by which as by the more private passage he proposed to betake himself to the sanctuary as he approached the entrance to that den of infamy from which his mind recoiled even while in the act of taking shelter there his pace slackened while the steep and broken stairs reminded him of the facilis descensus awareness and rendered him doubtful whether it were not better to brave the worst which could befall him in the public haunts of honourable men than to evade punishment by secluding himself in those of avowed vice and profligacy as nigel hesitated a young gentleman of the temple advanced towards him whom he had often seen and sometimes conversed with at the ordinary where he was a frequent and welcome guest being a wild young gallant indifferently well provided with money who spent at the theatres and other gay places of public resort the time which his father supposed he was employing in the study of the law but reginald lowstoff such was the young templar's name was of opinion that little law was necessary to enable him to spend the revenues of the paternal acres which were to devolve upon him at his father's demise and therefore gave himself no trouble to acquire more of that science than might be imbibed along with the learned air of the region in which he had his chambers in other respects he was one of the wits of the place read ovid and marshall aimed at quick repartee and pun often very far-fetched danced fenced played at tennis performed sundry tunes and the fiddle and french horn to the great annoyance of old counsellor barater who lived in the chambers immediately below him such was reginald lowstoff shrewd alert and well acquainted with the town through all its recesses but in a sort of disrespectable way this gallant now approaching the lord glenvarlock saluted him by name and title and asked if his lordship designed for the chevaliers this day observing it was near noon and the woodcock would be on the board before they could reach the ordinary i do not go there to-day answered lord glenvarlock which way then my lord said the young templar who was perhaps not undesirous to parade a part at least of the street in company with a lord though but a scottish one ay ay said nigel desiring to avail himself of this young man's local knowledge yet unwilling and ashamed to acknowledge his intention to take refuge in so disreputable a quarter or to describe the situation in which he stood i have some curiosity to see whitefriars what your lordship is for a frolic into alsatia said lowestoff have with you my lord you cannot have a better guide to the infernal regions than myself i promise you there are bonarobus to be found there good wine too ay and good fellows to drink it with though somewhat suffering under the frowns of fortune but your lordship will pardon me you are the last of our acquaintance to whom i would have proposed such a voyage of discovery i am obliged to you master lowstoff for the good opinion you have expressed in the observation said lord glenvarlock but my present circumstances may render even a residence of a day or two in the sanctuary a matter of necessity indeed said lowstoff in a tone of great surprise i thought your lordship had always taken care not to risk any considerable stake i beg pardon but if the bones have proved perfidious i know just so much law as that appears person is sacred from arrest and for mere impecuniosity my lord better shift can be made elsewhere than in whitefriars where all are devouring each other for very poverty my misfortune has no connection with want of money said nigel 
why then i suppose said lowestoff you've been tilting my lord and have pinked your man in which case and with a purse reasonably furnished you may lie perdue in whitefriars for a twelvemonth mary but you must be entered and received as a member of their worshipful society my lord and a frank burgher of alsatia so far you must condescend there will be neither peace nor safety for you else my fault is not in a degree so deadly master lowestoff answered lord glenvarlock as you seem to conjecture i have stricken a gentleman in the park that is all by my hand my lord and you had better have struck your sword through him at barnes elms said the templar strike within the verge of the court you will find that a weighty dependence upon your hands especially if your party be of rank and have favour i will be plain with you master lowestoff said nigel since i have gone thus far the person i struck was lord dalgarno whom you have seen at beaujures a follower and favourite of the duke of buckingham it is a most unhappy chance my lord but my heart was formed in england and cannot bear to see a young nobleman borne down as you are like to be we converse here greatly too open for your circumstances the templars would suffer no bailiff to execute a writ and no gentleman to be arrested for a duel within their precincts but in such a matter between lord dalgarno and your lordship there might be a party on either side you must away with me instantly to my poor chambers here hard by and undergo some little change of dress ere you take sanctuary for else you will have the whole rascal rout of the friars about you like crows upon a falcon that strays into their rookery we must have you arrayed something more like the natives of alsatia or there will be no life there for you while lowestoff spoke he pulled lord glenvarlock along with him into his chambers where he had a handsome library filled with all the poems and playbooks which were then in fashion the templar then dispatched a boy who waited upon him to procure a dish or two from the next cook's shop and this he said must be your lordship's dinner with a glass of old sack of which my grandmother the heavens requiter sent me a dozen bottles with charge to use the liquor only with clarified way when i felt my breast ache with overstudy mary we will drink the good lady's health in it if it is your lordship's pleasure you shall see how we poor students seek out our mutton commons in the hall the outward door of the chambers was barred so soon as the boy had re-entered with the food the boy was ordered to keep close watch and admit no one and lowestoff by example and precept pressed his noble guest to partake of his hospitality his frank and forward manners though much differing from the courtly ease of lord dalgarno were calculated to make a favourable impression and lord glenvarlock though his experience of dalgarno's perfidy had taught him to be cautious of reposing faith in friendly professions could not avoid testifying his gratitude to the young templar who seemed so anxious for his safety and accommodation you may spare your gratitude any great sense of obligation my lord said the templar no doubt i am willing to be of use to any gentleman that has cause to sing for tune my foe and particularly proud to serve your lordship's turn but i have also an old grudge to speak heaven's truth at your opposite lord dalgarno may i ask on what account master lowestoff said lord glenvarlock oh my lord replied the templar it was for a hap that chanced after you left the ordinary one evening about three weeks since at least i think you were not by as your lordship always left us before deep play began i mean no offence but such was your lordship's custom when there were words between lord dalgarno and me concerning a certain game at gleek and a certain mournerval of aces held by his lordship which went for eight tib winch went for fifteen twenty-three in all now i held king and queen being three a natural towser making fifteen and tiddy nineteen revide the rough and revide as your lordship may suppose 
till the stake was equal to half my yearly exhibition fifty as fair yellow canary birds as e'er chirped in the bottom of a green silk purse well my lord i gained the cards and lo you it pleases his lordship to say that we played without titty and as the rest stood by and backed him and especially the sharking frenchman why i was obliged to lose more than i shall gain all the season so judge if i have not a crow to pluck with his lordship was it ever heard there was a game at gleek at the ordinary before without counting titty merry crept upon his lordship every man who comes there with his purse in his hand is as free to make new laws as he i hope since touch pot touch penny makes every man equal as master lowstoff ran over this jargon of the gaming-table lord glenvarlock was both ashamed and mortified and felt a severe pang of aristocratic pride when he concluded in the sweeping clause that the dice like the grave levelled those distinguishing points of society to which nigel's early prejudices clung perhaps but too fondly it was impossible however to object anything to the learned reasoning of the young templar and therefore nigel was contented to turn the conversation by making some inquiries respecting the present state of whitefriars there also his host was at home you know my lord said master lowstoff that we templars are a power and a dominion within ourselves and i am proud to say that i hold some rank in our republic was treasurer to the lord of misrule last year and am at this present moment in nomination for that dignity myself in such circumstances we are under the necessity of maintaining an amicable intercourse with our neighbours of alsatia even as the christian states find themselves often in mere policy obliged to make alliance with the grand turk or the barbary states i should have imagined you gentlemen of the temple more independent of your neighbours said lord glenvarlock you do us something too much honour my lord said the templar the alsatians we have some common enemies and we have under the rose some common friends we are in the use of blocking all bailiffs out of our bounds and we are powerfully aided by our neighbours who tolerate not a rag belonging to them within theirs moreover the alsatians have i beg you to understand me the power of protecting or distressing our friends male or female who may be obliged to seek sanctuary within their bounds in short the two communities serve each other though the league is between states of unequal quality and i may myself say that i have treated of sundry weighty affairs and have been a negotiator well approved on both sides but hark hark what is that the sound by which master lowstoff was interrupted was that of a distant horn winded loud and keenly and followed by a faint and remote huzza there's something doing said lowstoff in the white friars at this moment that is the signal when their privileges are invaded by tipstaff or bailiff and at the blast of the horn they all swarm out to the rescue as bees when their hive is disturbed jump jim he said calling out to the attendant and see what they are doing in alsatia that bastard of a boy he continued as the lad accustomed to the precipitate haste of his master tumbled rather than ran out of the apartment and so downstairs is worth gold in this quarter he serves six masters for them in distinct numbers and you would think him present like a fairy at the mere wish of him that for the time most needs his attendance no scout in oxford no jip in cambridge ever matched him in speed and intelligence he knows the step of a dun from that of a client when it reaches the very bottom of the staircase can tell the trip of a pretty wench from the step of a bencher when at the upper end of the court and it is take him all in all but i see your lordship is anxious may i press another cup of my kind grandmother's cordial or you will allow me to show you my wardrobe and act as your valet or groom of the chamber lord glenvarlock hesitated not to acknowledge that he was painfully sensible of his present situation and anxious to do what must needs be done for his extrication the good-natured and thoughtless young templar 
readily acquiesced and led the way into his little bedroom we're from bandboxes portmanteaus mail trunks not forgetting an old walnut tree wardrobe he began to select the articles which he thought best suited effectually to disguise his guest in venturing into the lawless and turbulent society of alsatia End of chapter sixteen